Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, Bab. Hello there. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I am well good. Well good. Is that what? Country talk? Uh, I don't know if it's country or city talk, but we used to say it at school. It's like, oh, I'm well good. <laughs> he says with the Manchester accent when I went to school in Yorkshire. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> and also, why you don't have street cred? Well, anyway, this is all distraction because we are here to welcome you all to Bearback, the podcast where we navigate our lives together as a bear couple. And explore the quirks of our respective cultures. I am Ben and I am British. And I am Benja and I'm not singing again. I already did that. And I am Argentinian. (laughs) Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't had as many complaints as as I thought we were going to get. I say as many. There's been a few. And also, they weren't really complaints, were they? They were just sort of acknowledging my disclaimer <laughs> about my singing abilities. So they weren't mean-spirited or anything. They just said, yeah, you were right in that disclaimer. And if you want to know what we're talking about, go back to the very first episode in Series 3, Music, and you'll know exactly what we mean <laughs> when we talk about Ben her singing. Anyway, what's coming up this week? This week, we talk about driving. Mirror signal manoeuvre. How do you learn to drive in Argentina and the UK? And how do we drive in both our countries? Mm -hmm. Very much so. I can already tell you my conclusion, but let's give it a sec. (laughs) So before we talk about what we've done this week, there is something that you told me this week that I feel like we need to do a little stop press at the start of the show. You told me something about Cadbury. Now, Cadbury is one of the most iconic British chocolate brands, although I think it's owned by the Swiss or the Americans now. But anyway, it's still made... Some of the bars are still made here Mm -hmm. in the UK, not far from us in Birmingham. Iconic. I love Cadbury's chocolate in any shape or form. Although it was a bit weird when I think Kraft took over on Mondelez. Mondelez took over. And I was like, they are going to start doing easy peasy cheesy chocolate. And what did they do? They now do a Philadelphia with Cadbury's chocolate. But anyway, that's by the by. I love Cadbury's chocolate. You told me something about Cadbury's in Argentina though, didn't you? Um. Yeah, I did, but I I don't know if it deserved that much of an introduction as you just did. <laughs> I, it just blew my little mind. Okay, so basically, look at Cadbury, how it's written. So you have the D and the B. Mm-hmm. So at some point, and at least in uh, in Argentina, I don't know if it was the same here. The D and the B were connected on the top, correct, by a different line. And because Cadbury is not really a word in Spanish, it's a word in, in English. Is it really? Is it a word in English? Well, no? it's the Cadbury family. They, ah, were the, okay. they were the people who set up the, anyway, the so chocolate I'm, empire. Anyway, it's not a word in Spanish. So a lot of people in Argentina actually think that that's an M. Okay. So a lot of people call them Camry. <laughs> Which sounds like some kind of desert animal, doesn't well, it? The thing is, you know when you start writing and when you start writing cursive? Yeah. Well, that's exactly how you write the M in cursive. It's like a little bit of a... How do you call that? Like a firulet. Like a oh, firulet. No, 
<laughs> fancy language on today's episode. Yeah, I know. It's like a fairy lit when you start. You go up, you do the um, bridge, and then you go back down and you end with, an, uh, with a fairy lit. So it kind of looks like a cursive uppercase M. With a ferulette? With a ferulette. <laughs> I mean, you're just blowing me with your knowledge today. Which, by the way, is ferulette a word in English? I've no idea. Pirouette is a word in English. is it? And I suppose it's similar because it's kind of spinning around, isn't it? I suppose, but I just did what I hate English speakers when they do it. I just took the Spanish word and just basically eliminated the O or the, the last letter, in this case an E, and just see if, it's, if it works. So in Spanish it's ferulette. Okay. So I just thought, okay, let's just say Firulet and see if it's a word in English. I remember I was at a barbecue once and there was a couple there and they, the husband was Italian and the wife was English. And she'd been living with the family and their two children in Italy for a long time. And we were around in this garden in England, in a friend's garden. And she just had some crazy paving done outside, you know, a new patio. Crazy paving? Yeah, it was kind of like popular. What's that? Yeah, it's kind of like when you have your patio done, but it's like all a bit mishmashy. It's not like they're not exact, you know, they're not exact square or or circular in okay. shape. It's okay. kind of all a bit mismatch, a bit. So basically, someone screwed up, and let's make it fashion. I've just googled it. It says paving stones of a regular size and shape are laid in a haphazard manner, sometimes with mortar filling in the gaps between. Okay, so basically it's lacy craftsmanship. Well, you say that, but the method originated in ancient Rome. And they knew what they were doing when it came to paving. Mm, yeah, and they're also a fallen empire. So Anyway, it, this is all irrelevant. This is just a tiny little throwaway joke. Basically, all this is to say, I said to the the mother of the children, she was explaining to them what crazy paving is. And I said, how do you say, like, paving slabs in Italian? Mm-hmm. And she looked like really pensive and she, she she clearly didn't know what it was in Italian. So she just went, mm, slabio. <laughs> and she basically just added an I on the end of it. But the thing is, she did it with such conviction that everyone at the party was like, hmm, yeah, slabio. Mm, yeah, let's get some slabio. Right, exactly the same way that I said ferulet. Exactly. Like a ferulet. Exactly. And that's it. All comes from Camry. <laughs> well, I really want some chocolate now. So this week, we've been very, very busy. We've had a very, very busy weekend. I went to see Suzanne Vega live in concert with my best friend on yeah. Friday. I didn't because I'm not 76 years old. <laughs> I mean, we were the youngest there by probably about 40 years. But we had a great evening and we went dancing afterwards. And then on Saturday night, you and I went to play darts. Indeed, we did. We played darts. Is darts a thing outside of the UK? So, they exist, but there's no championships, there's no tournaments. It's not something that you would really play in a bar. It's like, it exists, and if you have sort of like a shed on the back of your house, where where you have like a playroom, you would have a dart board. But other than that, no, it's not a thing. At least not in Argentina. But I think people get the general idea of what darts is it's a board it's got numbers around it and you throw what are they called darts Dart. oh yeah <laughs> see my, i'm so bad at sports i'm so bad at sporting lexicon I'm, I'm sorry anyway so you throw darts but what we did was something called social darts which is kind of 
The thing about the UK is we, we love a fad and every few years new things come to the fray. So a few years ago, everyone wanted to go to an adult trampoline park, you mm-hmm. know, these, well, adults and kids, but they used to have these massive trampoline parks and they don't seem, I, I've not seen one in years. Yeah, no, they kind of went under quite quickly. And then it's kind of like, I don't know, what other fads have we had? Um, I don't know. I wasn't living in this country. <laughs> Like the brunch is quite a thing now, the bottomless brunch. That seems to have sprung out of nowhere and and every bar now will do a bottomless brunch. There's always these kind of things and they capture that kind of adult audience, that kind of 20 to 40 year olds and get them to do random stuff. So social darts is now the new thing. We went to this bar in Birmingham and it's basically like darts, but it's kind of mixed with that kind of bowling alley you know, you have a screen on there that electronically monitors, you know, where the darts land and you kind of going up against your friends. In, mm-hmm. in, and there's various different little games. Like you can play darts as you normally would or there was like snakes and ladders or there was one called Killer where you have to knock everybody out and all that kind of stuff. But all this to say, out of the two of us, I think most listeners would probably assume that you are probably the sportier yeah, but at the same time, as as I just said, darts are not a thing back in Argentina, so... Well, now, you see, now I think you're just trying to justify why you lost, and I won. Mm, yeah, I'm not trying to justify it. I already knew that I would be crap at it. Well, I didn't know that I would be great, and, you know... Well, I'm, I mean, you won over me. It's not like the no. best of, achieve- <laughs> of achievements. <laughs> it wasn't just me and Yao that went. There were six of us, and I beat everybody. Yes, that is true. You won. So, and to be fair, a couple of the people that we went with were pretty good. Yeah, but don't let it go to your head. Remember that I won at bowling. Well, this is what I was going to try and suggest. What we need to do now is we need to find another kind of casual sport that we can both go head to head at. Because it's going to be best of three. And whoever wins that is basically champion of the house. Okay, so let's do a race in a trampoline park. No, I'm not. I don't like the trampoline park. I know it's exercise. No, it's not that it's exercise. The last time I went, to be fair, I did wear jeans, which is not the best attire to wear to a trampoline park. But then you know when you jump off the trampoline and you land in that pit, and it's like full of all kind of like foam shapes yeah. and balls and stuff like that. It was literally like quicksand, and I couldn't get out, and I started panicking. And there was all these children just like <laughs> like laughing at me because I couldn't get out of this pit. So. Yeah, okay. not not great memories for me. So I think we need to think of something else. So if anybody's got any ideas, let us know. We are at Twitter at BarebackPod. You can message us on Instagram at BarebackPodcast. Find us on Facebook, just search Bareback. Or you can email us at BarebackPodcast at gmail.com. And if you've got any ideas on what you think we should do to go head-to-head against to decide who is the champion of the house... As in our house, not like yeah, the yeah. house of Gucci or the house of Gaga. Yeah, in, they understood. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and we'll do it. We'll yeah. absolutely do it. I mean, it could be anything. I mean, there's so many things that we haven't done together as a couple. I've like not been paintballing. We've not done... I'm not giving people... Well, I am giving people free ideas here. Archery we could do. But anyway, it's up to you guys. So let us know. So, busy week. Not well, only do we have our night out, it's been Valentine's Day. Yeah, and I don't know why you're trying to make Valentine's Valentine's Day a thing. Why? Because you're trying to do it uh, to make a thing out of it. Well, I just thought we'd do something because it's it was on on Monday, and I thought you know Monday night it's always a bit of a you know start of the week, and I thought let's do something nice. And I know that you're not the biggest Valentine's Day fan. 
And you're always like, oh, well, every day is Valentine's Day when you're with me. And I get that. I t- completely get that. So, 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 wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I do not say that. I did not say that. <laughs> Never said that. What I do say, and this is where I win the hearts of our audience, is what I always tell you is that I tell you that I love you multiple times every single day. I know. I know. And I'm very grateful for that. And I do not take that for granted. And I tell you too. But I do think it's nice that, you know, V-Day, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. Let's have a little little bit of a celebration. So I decided to spice things up this year because there's um, a supermarket chain in the UK. Well, it's quite, an, it's quite a high-end supermarket chain called Marks & Spencer's M&S. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it. Adele always bangs on about it, doesn't she? Um, it's the one thing that she says living in the USA she misses. And it's one of those supermarkets where you probably wouldn't do your weekly shop there because it's quite pricey. But you, you know, you go there for like special occasions and, and, and get a few bits and things like that. Yeah. Now, last year, they did something called the Love Sausage. Yes. Well, they did a Love Sausage and a Spicy Love Sausage. Yeah. And basically, it's for anyone there listening, the Love Sausage is literally two sausages that have been arranged to the shape of a heart. Yes, but... Wrapped in bacon. Wrapped in bacon, thank you. And also, there's a little kind of heart cut out in the middle and you crack an egg and put it in. So when you cook it, you also get a heart-shaped egg. Yeah, so basically, you were sold a sausage and, and bacon at premium price just because they've shaped it like a heart. But it brought you a lot of joy. And don't forget, we were in lockdown last year. So, you know, you had a lockdown love sausage and you loved it. Yeah. It's a sausage and bacon. You can't go wrong with that. But this year, I think I've really upped the ante. Because you've had your love sausage as well this year. But what else did you have? So, I had love nuggets. Well, well, well. Before we start about that, what did you have for breakfast in the morning? Oh. On Valentine's Day? uh, Yeah, expired. (laughs) I know, I didn't check the date before I left. Yeah, well, but that's M&S problem. So, you bought me crumpets. And if you don't know (laughs) what a crumpet is... They're not crumpets. Okay, so they they are there. I love my my crumpet. So basically, it's a crumpet in a heart shape. And if you don't know what a crumpet is, Google it. It's actually really nice. I don't think it's a thing outside of the UK, though, or at least outside of the Commonwealth. I don't know what they're made from. It's kind of like a doughy... It's got, like, holes in, hasn't it? Yeah, it doesn't matter. You just put butter on it when it's warm. You warm and you put butter on it. It's really, really nice. But these ones are heart-shaped. But I do blame M&S that they have, for Valentine's Day, these heart-shaped crumpets that expired on the 13th. Mm. I mean, really, M&S? Really? So you had those for breakfast? Yes. And then talk about the Valentine's Day buffet. Okay, so the, the love nuggets, which, again... Chicken nuggets, shaped like a heart. Love nuggets. Yeah, so, again, a premium product just because it's shaped like a heart. Mm. What, premium price product. Mm -hmm. And then I had an I had you pork pie. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, I do like pork pie. I do always like a pork pie. But again, pork pie, heart-shaped. Well, it's not just a heart-shaped pork pie. On the pastry on the top, it has I love you written on it. Yeah. Which, again, very romantic. You know, I'm pulling out the stops here. Then you had your love sausage as well. And I finished it all off with a cake in a jar, which wasn't from the Valentine's Day range. But I just thought this is, again, this is when we talk about fads and and trends in the UK. 
cake in a jar is the thing at the minute. Yeah, you but buy, it's basically a slice of cake that somebody is like squashed into a jar, and people think it's amazing. And that's the thing; it's not that it's been cooked in the jar. It's literally a slice of cake that has been sort of shoved into a jar. Again, you're paying premium prices for these things that you can get from any supermarket. Mm. Well, it's supposed to get your money back. If I was my boyfriend, I would think that that was a very romantic gesture and I would be over the moon and I would be, you know, probably wanting to come on this podcast and saying, thank you, Ben, that was an amazing Valentine's Day. You were really thoughtful. I love you so much and you're just the best person ever. Okay, thank you for feeding me. I love you. Starting the main segment of today's episode in quite a sombre way. I mean, you are very sombre. Mm, because, well, it's not great for you, is it? Let's be honest. I mean, I think you're being a little bit overly dramatic, though. It's really bad. <laughs> You've done a really bad thing. And right. I think you need to own up and, and, and confess why we've decided to talk about driving on today's episode. Okay, so, but again, I really think you're over-dramatising these. But basically, I got a speeding fine. It's my first speeding fine in almost 20 years of driving. And it wasn't even that much. It was like literally 10 miles an hour higher than the speed limit. In a motorway. So it was quite fast anyway. It's not like I was doing 14 or 30 zone. But you broke the law, Bab. I know, I know. And the I'm the only signs trying. clearly said in the central reservation above us, 60 miles an hour. And you were doing 70. So you well, broke the law. And now you've got to do a bit of jail time. Uh, yeah, again, I think you're being a little <laughs> bit overly dramatic. Particularly, you would know, because, I mean, this is my first speeding fine in almost 20 years of driving. You've had, what, seven, eight? Yeah, I think probably in double figures, if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah, so... But again, never for anything, like, really extreme. Just, you know, I wanted to get home for my tea. A little bit here and there. A little bit here and there, yeah. We're not condoning breaking the law and getting fines, by the way. No. No, because what you have to do now is rather than take the points on your licence in the UK, you're able to attend what's called a National Speed Awareness Course. Mm -hmm. So basically you go to this course for a couple of hours and they explain to you why you shouldn't speed. You go through all different scenarios about why it's a bad thing. And then hopefully, you know, by the end of it, you become a better driver you understand the situation and i have to say having done (laughs) two of them it's the worst two hours of your life (laughs) is it that bad it's well i've done them both because obviously they used to be in person and now with covid they do them virtually so previously when i did the first one i went to some random hotel in derby and it was very much good cop bad cop the people who ran the course they were both ex-police officers Mm mm-hmm and there was a, a a male officiator, if you like, and there was also a facilitator who was who was female. The gentleman, he was good cop. He was like, "Why do we speed?" It's like, "Oh, because we've got to get places." Like, 
you know, we need to be on time and, mm-hmm. and you know, and we want to get ahead of the car in front of us and all that kind of stuff. And then the female facilitator, she was bad cop. She was like, and what happens when we speed? Everyone dies. <laughs> everyone. Like, everyone. <laughs> yeah. And basically gives you all these statistics about how bad it is to speed. And it is bad to speed. Yeah, you don't really get where you want to go to any quicker by speeding. Really. You yeah. get there like two minutes earlier. But the implications are, you know, really, really bad. So you're kind of sitting between this for no tea and coffee, no biscuits, you know, oh. it's like literally two hours. That's rough. And then during COVID, when I had to do, um, you know, when I got caught speeding again, this one was virtual and it was just one facilitator. And it was pretty, pretty bad because because you're not in a classroom situation. You can't really read the room and you'd get asked all these questions and you'd have to write everything down and prove that you were writing it down so they could, you know, log that you weren't just sat there on your phone type mm-hmm. thing. So again, it was two hours of my life. Well, four hours of my life that I'll never get back. So you've got it all to come, Fab. Are you excited? Um, well, I'm not now. You haven't really made a case for it to be an exciting occasion. The beauty of it is that at the end of the course, you've done it and you don't get the points on your licence. And the thing is, is I know that I shouldn't speed. No, you shouldn't. And normally I don't. Really? <laughs> I don't. I put the um, cruise control and put it on the speed limit. Okay. Well, let this be a lesson to you. I, I just think it's hilarious, like, you of all people have got a speeding bank. Because, as you've probably guessed now by listening to this podcast for you know, the best part of a year. Ben Hill really likes to follow rules and he likes, he, you are a bit of a goody two shoes, aren't you? So it's not really unexpected that I would get a speeding fine because I'm a bit more aloof and a bit, you know, haphazard and I'm a good driver. Don't get me wrong. I am a good driver. I'm mm-hmm. not like crazy. Okay. But for my personality, it's kind of, you know, oh, maybe I'll go like a few few miles an hour faster or whatever. But for you, this is quite a big deal. Right. The first one. But yeah, I've taken great delight in reminding you on a daily basis that you're going on a national speed awareness course. The thing is, again, I think you're making it a bigger thing than it actually is because I'm just not fast. I know I have to do it. I already knew that I shouldn't have been speeding. I missed it. Okay. That's you just playing it down. You're seething. You're seething inside. I can see it in your eyes. (laughs) I can see it in your eyes. You wish. (laughs) So we're talking about driving today. Let's go all the way back how many years ago did I learn to drive? So I'm mm. 36 now. Oh gosh, 20 years ago. Wow. Nearly 20 years ago. So let's talk about learning to drive. How mm-hmm. how do you go and learn to drive in Argentina? So in Argentina, you will go to a driving school, just similar as here. There's also a, a driving range a drive how do, would you call this like a driving there's like a driving course in a big park in my hometown okay where um, uh, it has curves it has a uh, street light it, it, it's a big space but you can go there and you can actually drive without a license inside there okay so for example if you don't go to a school and your dad is teaching you how to drive uh, instead of going out on the street you go in there because you're not allowed to go out on the street unless you are in an official driving school car. So you can't just put like the L sign on your dad's car and drive on the road. That's not allowed. It kind of reminds me of that little play park they have at Legoland where the kids can learn how to drive in those tiny little Lego bubble cars. Kind of, but with actual cars. Okay. But 
isn't that quite dangerous because you're basically putting everyone who doesn't know how to drive in one space? Like, doesn't just everyone crash into everyone? Uh, no, I mean the thing is, you're learning to drive, so you go slow. You you're more aware of your surroundings. There's very good visibility because it's all like on a park, so it's like really flat, so you can see things coming, other cars coming. So it's quite good actually. And do they have like? paid actors doing hazard roles like is there an old lady walking across the road with her shopping trolley no it's just a piece of road oh <laughs> with curves and drive but there isn't it's not it's a public access place you can go at any time of the day is there a cafe no gift shop no oh it's literally road okay in a park there's nothing more to it why would you have a cafe you're learning to drive yeah but afterwards you might want like a a latte to like chill out with over well you're in the car then your dad gets in the driving seat and takes you to starbucks or something like that Mm, i think they're missing a trick there wow i didn't know that that's cool i I mean it is quite cool isn't it that you've got this basically bit of a road where no other cars are that you can go and learn to drive and you have the difficult ones you have like a v-turn What's a Vita? Well, like a sharp turn. I don't know. It sounds like a sexual position. Um, sure. I mean, if you want to. You have different types of curves of, like, you know, uh, to learn how to turn. You have a small roundabout. Uh, you have street lights. So, the, the, the whole thing. See, when I learned to drive, obviously I did go out with an instructor, but as to car park was my friend as well. My dad and my mum mm. would take me in their silver... Vauxhall Vectra, and um, yeah, we'd um, you know try not to hit shopping trolleys. <laughs> I do think that most people will go to a driving school at some point, though, just to learn how to parallel park. You're not the best at parallel parking. I used to be really, really good, but then well, I just but, lost practice. Oh, clearly, that was before we met. Yeah, I just lost practice. Mm. Uh, but the thing, in order to pass your driving test in, in in Argentina, particularly in my hometown, you have to parallel park, and you have to parallel park in a space that is really, really small. It's like literally you have space for your for your car and very little space in the front or the back. It's like literally you have a meter spare combining front, and so you probably have like half a meter in front, half a meter behind. Mm. And that's where you need to parallel park. And if you fail that, you automatically fail the test. Wow. You have to. So I, I suppose that everyone can, and goes to a school, but schools are sneaky. <laughs> when you learn to parallel park on the school's car, basically what you do is like, they say, okay, you just position the car. That's up to you. You position the car. And then when you look over your shoulder, you'll find that the rare seed window has a mark now you uh, you're taught to align that mark with the last bit of the car that is going to be the car that is in front of you you go all the way with a steering wheel mm-hmm. and go up until you see a second mark that is on your uh, on your rear window i think this is cheating and you cross that and then you do the whole thing back the whole steering wheel back mm. and you get in no and then you get and then you get in so you told you told to parallel park like that the thing is is it cheating mm, i don't think so and the reason why i don't think so is because yes you have a mark so if you have the mark you can use it but at the same time it's teaching you when whenever you are outside of the car the school car it teaches you what you need to look for. 
in order to properly parallel park. So you still get that learning. In the school car, you have the markings because they have to teach you how to do it. Mm, but in real life, you don't get those markings in the car. No, but you've learned more or less where that mark is in the windows. I just imagine all these Argentinians like going in a sh- into the back of their car with a sharpie and just marking out <laughs> two locations on the rear window. I mean, I'm sure there's someone who has done that. <laughs> so, so that's more of the practical implications of learning to drive. Yeah. But what about the sort of theory side of it? So, in the UK, you have 50 questions mm-hmm. uh, for your theory test, and you need to get 43 correct to pass, and you get yeah. 57 minutes to do that, which I thought was pretty mammoth. But I found out in China, it's actually 100 questions in 45 minutes and you need to get at least 90. So there are countries in the world where it is harder. The thing is, 100 questions in 45 minutes. Well, you'd just be like clicking every second. That's the thing. How many seconds per question? Yeah, I know. It's mad. That's a lot. And also in the UK, you have to do a hazard perception test as well. Yeah, so because I'm Argentinian... I had my license. I could use my license in the UK for up to a year, but then I needed to get my UK license. But because it's not part of the uh, EU, well, what was Britain being part of the EU? Brexit means Brexit. You couldn't just exchange it. So, for example, Mm. if if you're Spanish, if you're French, Italian, and so on, you had your Spanish, French, Italian driver's license, you could come to the UK and you could just exchange it automatically without mm-hmm. doing anything for a UK now, a UK one. The Argentinian, you just got have to go through the whole thing again. So for me, it was basically like learning to drive again, just learning to drive in the UK. And the hazard perception for those who are not British is basically you are in front of the monitor of the computer and basically you are going to be shown a video. And in the video, some things are going to happen. The hazards are going to pop, uh, to pop up. So, I don't know, maybe it's an old lady walking from behind a, um, a parked car or a bicycle that is signaling it's going to change lane or, or a car that is trying to overpass a parked car on the road or something like that. And you need to detect a mark on the screen at the right times where those hazards were. Oh, I was terrible. Because I was, like, literally clicking, like, every single millisecond, like, uh, uh, that's a hazard, that's a hazard. Yeah. It, it's really But if you tough. click too much, it, it fails you. Yeah, I know. I know. I think I just scraped through on the hazard perception test because I, I was very trigger-happy on my mouse. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but I think that in terms of the theory test and so on, I, I mean, you know how I always say the UK works on trust? And works on trust far more than what it should. Because before you get to the stage where you get the test, you get your provisional license. And for that, you need to have your medical check. Your medical check is literally you filling a form and then mailing it. Mm -hmm. Which is absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I had when I went to my practical test is when, when you walk out of the office to go to the car... The guy, the examiner, just look at any of the cars that are parked there. Oh, can you read to me the reg number of that car over there? And that's your side test. Mm-hmm. It's shocking. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely shocking. So what do you have to do in Argentina then? So you have your theory test as well, and that's fairly similar. But then you have what we call a psychotechnical so you that sounds a bit powerful well you go in and you have a bunch of tests that is 
pretty similar, a similar idea to the hazard perception, I suppose. They test your reaction, your reaction speed. They they test your your coordination. They test your ability to see color. They they test everything. So you have a lot of these exercises. You know, for example, where you have like on a computer two cars going on different roads, and you have like a knob for each. But then they start doing different things. The road has different shapes. Mm-hmm. So you have to coordinate one hand and the other doing different things. Wow. You have, for example, the one that you have the ball. You know when is a ball and the ball then disappears because it goes like behind something. And you have to press when you think that the ball is going to appear on the other side. This sounds like a great game show. I think they I know, could yeah. do this on a Saturday night. It's quite entertaining. And then you, for example, have a color perception test as well. And I always fail that because there's, the one that they do is, you know, th- that circle that it's in a certain color and you have to make out the number mm. that is kind of like hidden within. Now, I have a little bit of a condition. I'm not colorblind, but I have a little bit of a condition. <laughs> a little bit well, of a condition. It is. It's called dyschromatopsia menor. Oh, right, okay, I believe, yeah. And basically what that means is that when I see those circles, I I can see the different colours and I can tell you what colours they are, but my sight doesn't um, define the shape. So when the two colours meet, my eyes have trouble defining the limit between one and the other, okay. so I can never see the numbers. Okay. To which it always results in basically a woman just show, showing me a, a, a traffic light. Let's say, what color is this? Red. Which one's this? Amber. Which one's this? Green. Okay, that's done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it turns out to be really simple in the end yeah. for me because I cannot see the number. Now, the important thing, and you have to pass that before going into your practical test. Now, the important thing about that is that you have to repeat that psychotechnical every time you renew your license. Wow. Which, depending on the province, it can be every four or every five years. So okay. we don't really issue driver license for more than that. And every five years, in order to renew, you have to go through those tests again to make sure that you continue to be apt for driving. And then when you get to a certain age, and again, it varies from province to province, whether it's 60, 65 or so on, they start giving you your license for less time. So, for example, I think the, in my province, when you turn 60 instead of five years, is four years. And then when you're 65, is three years. And then from like 70 onwards, is every single year. Mm-hmm. And every single year, you have to renew your driver's license and you have to go through those tests to say that you're apt for driving. Which makes sense, considering that you're aging if you're in your 70s. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes sense. Here, people just trust that you're fine for driving and that you'll make good judgment in terms of whether you need you you can't drive or not it, it, it all based on trust i think you have to take your test again when you're 70 yeah but then they still give you give it to you for like 10 years <laughs> yeah it's interesting isn't it did you pass first time yes i did pass first of time of course you did of course you did what i did and this is a recommendation for any argentinian or any foreigner that comes to drive in the uk though people drive differently so the rules tend to be the same but the habits tend, tend to be different and the tests tend, tend to be different so i actually did go here in the uk to a a, a driving school which was really really weird because i did it in the next town to where I was living. So basically, I would drive there in my company car, park there, get out of the car and get into the school car. (laughs) And then drive around. 
And realistically, the thing is, is I was learning how to pass the test. I knew yeah. how to drive, but I was learning how to pass the test. And particularly, I wanted to see a little bit the differences between sort of like town or city driving and motorway driving. Because, of course, habits are different. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want to make sure that um, you acknowledge those differences and you learn them. Yeah, because the flashing of lights, I know, means something different in... Oh, a lot of things mean different things. It's really, really different. So, yeah, so, for example, in and that's quite confusing. And for me, it almost got me in an accident. Oh, God. So, you know when you put your indicators to change lanes on the motorway? Yeah. And someone flashes you the, yes. the headlights at you. And that means you can go? Well, in the UK. Okay. In Argentina, it means the exact opposite. It means I'm coming, I'm here, you're letting them know that I'm here, so don't change lane because I'm coming. It means the absolute opposite. But again, that's in terms of the difference, and I have a lot of differences. And some, I don't know, I'm, I, maybe it's because I grew up in Argentina, so I, for me the Argentinian ones kind of make sense and the British don't. Mm. So for example, it's like, if you're, gonna, if you're going to park... You put here your indicator. So if you're going to park on the left, you put your indicator to the left. Yeah. And then you stop. And then you park. So if you're parallel parking, for example. In Argentina, that's just... It doesn't work like that. In Argentina, if you're going to stop on a transit lane, you put your hazard lights. Because it's a, it's a hazard, it's a transit lane, and you're going to block it. So you you put it and you try. You only put your indicator when you're going to get out mm. of that lane. So, for example, if you're going to turn, even if it's turning into a garage, for example, there you put your indicator. You're going to leave that lane. Mm. If you're going to block it, you put your hazard lights. Mm. That's one of the differences, uh, for example, that I noticed where, again, as an Argentinian, I think we're better. I think it kind of makes more sense. Well, I'm going to swiftly move past that one. I actually passed first time, you'd be pleased to know. Not everybody does, though, I think. Most of my friends seem to, I would say, probably about 50% passed second time. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, the Queen, well, she didn't pass, because technically the Queen, by law, doesn't need a driving licence. She can drive any car. So she doesn't have a a driver's licence. I assume that she did. She probably went to a school or something, but by law, she doesn't need to. But yeah, yeah, she went to a school, she learned how to drive, but she doesn't have a license. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not like she's going to be stopped by a traffic police and the <laughs> police officer says, Okay, who are you? I mean, <laughs> admittedly, she doesn't really need identification, but she doesn't have like a driving license, like I, the car. I don't think she does, no, oh, she doesn't need one. That's really sad. But when we were kind of doing a bit of research for today's episode, I forgot how difficult the theory test in the UK is, the questions that you get asked. So I'm going to ask you three questions now and see if you can get these right. Because I can't believe that back in the day, I would, I mean, obviously we would, I would have revised and you would have revised, but this is going to go really tough. This is going to go really bad, isn't it? Okay. Question number one. Okay. You are turning right onto a dual carriageway. Okay. What should you do before emerging? A. Stop and apply the handbrake and then select a low gear. Two. Position your vehicle well to the left of the side road. C. Check that the central reservation is wide enough for your vehicle. Or D. Make sure you leave enough room for a vehicle behind. 
See, I don't know. Because logically you would say it's A, but why would you apply your handbrake? So that kind of says, hmm, that's not the right one. So I would probably say make sure you're on the left of the lane. No, but you're turning right. So why would you be on the left of the lane? I suppose that precautionary. I'm going to say look at the central reservation. Then you would be correct. Check that the central reservation is wide enough for your vehicle. Well done. Question two. In which of these situations should you avoid overtaking? Okay. A, just after a bend. Mm -hmm. B, in a one-way street. C, on a 30 miles per hour road. Or D, approaching a dip in the road. Probably I would recommend not overtaking in all of them. But I would definitely say that the correct answer should be the dip on the road. Because you don't know if there's a car on the dip that you cannot see that's coming up. Well done, Bab. Well done. It is D, approaching a dip in the road. And finally, in the theory test, mm-hmm. to see whether you can get back on the road, baby. Obviously, after your National Speed Awareness okay. course as yeah. well. At a puffin crossing... Which colour follows the green signal? Is it A, a steady red, B, flashing amber, C, steady amber, or D, flashing green? Oh, I can't remember. Which one is a puffing crossing? So a puffing crossing, the reason why it's called puffing, it's really interesting, it's a pedestrian user-friendly intelligent crossing, so they've shortened it to puffing. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's basically the same as a pelican crossing. Pelican meaning pedestrian-like controlled. You've also got a toucan crossing, which basically is toucan cross because it's for cyclists and pedestrians. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know this when I did the research. A pegasus crossing is also for horses. Oh. So there you are. But essentially, a puffin and a pelican crossing are the same. But if if you think about it, the puffin crossing has got the little symbol of the... The cyclist and the and the green and the man when it when you press it. Okay, so because you said that the puffin said that it was like intelligent, smart, or something. What was it? The definition of pedestrian user friendly intelligent crossing. Intelligent cross because it's an intelligent crossing. I would say there would be the flashing amber. <laughs> You'd be wrong, Bab. Oh. Steady amber. Mm. Oh. No, it was amber, but. There's no half points here, so no. you've got two out of three there. Well done. Okay, wow. <laughs> Good enough. But when I did, my, when I did my, my driving test, obviously I passed my theory and did my hazard perception, then I did my driving test. I, I found it really stressful, and I was really, really worried. And we were on a dual carriageway, and the driving instructor just started chatting to me about life in general. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk about, oh, I do all this, and I'm studying this, and all this kind of stuff. And he was like, I think you should concentrate on the road now. And I was literally about to ram into a tractor. So I was like, I've failed my test. I've failed my test. And I just felt, mm-hmm. I felt really deflated from that point. Anyway, we get back to the test centre and he said, oh, I'd like to tell you, Mr. Goodwin, that you've passed. And I was like, oh my God, I could kiss you. And he went, that won't be necessary. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> why would you say that to an examinator? Why? I'm, oh God. He's so flamboyant sometimes. You want to kiss everyone. <laughs> you, you never complain when I want to kiss you. Well, yeah, because when you want to kiss me. <laughs> so obviously I passed my test and then I bought my first car. Can you guess what my first car was? Mm, don't know. Would it have been a Ford? No. Okay. But it's the same first letter. So I'm assuming it's not going to be a Ferrari, so I'm going to go with Fiat. Oh, 
Oh, do you know it was a Ferrari? No, it wasn't. It was a Fiat Cinquecento. A Cinquecento. Oh, that's relatively new, isn't it? Which, well, it was the older model. It wasn't the new model. The new one? The beanie, the small one? Yeah, but it was the more boxy one. Oh, see, um, what's it, the 500? We used to call that in Argentina, el fitito. <laughs> what does that mean? It's just come from Fiat, from an Ito, you know, like a small... Ah, the small Fiat. So it, it would be a fitito. Well, my best friend used to describe it as a roller skate with an engine. Mm, I mean, pretty much, yeah. And randomly, on the passenger side, the front passenger side, it had like a little shelf. <laughs> I mean, for all of your... Cured meats knees. <laughs> yeah. Cheese boards. It was great. And I had one of those cassette players that you, you put the cassette in and then a wire went to my mini dish player so I could listen to the music as I was going on. I mean, what year was this? My, I mean, don't get me wrong. Mate. I, I mean, my first... I, I'm older than you. So my first car that was about, well, about 16, 17 years ago still had a CD, uh, a CD. Well, I did buy a CD player eventually, but in the meantime, I also bought one of those transmitters for your iPod, you know, where you can kind of... I don't exactly. think it was technically legal, but you kind of broadcast on a little local but, frequency. But that's my point. You had sort of like an iPod, but then you have a cassette <laughs> on your car. So how old was this car? Oh, I loved that car. I loved that car. And it was so nippy as well. Like It could really go for it on the motorway. And <laughs> the first time... I So I got the car, and I drove to... I was at sixth form, so I was like 17. I was at college. Or had I just turned 18? I was 17, 18. And I drove to college and I picked up my best friend at college and I said to her, where should we go? Like, we'll go anywhere. We'll go wherever you want. And she was like, well, let's just drive into the countryside and go to a nice pub, you know, like, have a drink and we'll come back. So we drove out. So. 17 going on 17, you're right, <laughs> your friend. We drove out to this lovely place in outside of York in North Yorkshire. And I was like, oh, this is, seems a really nice pub. So we walked into the pub and we got inside and um, everyone was like dressed in black and was just being quite sombre and I was like yeah you know I've got my new car I've got my wheels I was so excited I was going to go to the bar and get a soft drink obviously well I was underage probably anyway but yeah. responsible and um, somebody just taps me on the shoulder and they were like and um, how did you know the deceased? Did you <laughs> crash course, a funeral? And of course I was there in like a brightly coloured top and stuff. I mean like, oh, yeah. And I was like, um, <laughs> just come in for a, for a Diet Coke. And, they, and I was like, I'm really sorry. But yeah, I, um, on the, the, the first road trip I had, I crashed a funeral. Oh, God. <laughs> so what was your first car? So my first car was, and I need explanation from the British... Um, um, here we go. No, no, it's um, my first car was a Chevrolet Corsa. Oh, treat yourself, Bab. Why? It was drive my Chevy to the levee. So I'm going to ignore that. It was a Chevrolet Corsa. Okay, so is that a Vauxhall Corsa then? Mm, no. Ugh. So the thing is, as you know, the same factories have different brands. So Vauxhall doesn't exist in in Argentina, what? but. Chevrolet, um, they manufacture under General Motors, manufactured at the time as Chevrolet. And Suzuki and all of, all of the others that General Motors did. I thought Suzuki was Japanese. Uh, yeah, but it was owned by General Motors. Ah, oh, right, okay. But the thing is, is they tend to use the same names all around the world. It's just that it's not always the same cars. I, just, I didn't know this. I just assumed that a Ford Fiesta was a Ford Fiesta wherever you were in the world. Well, no, exactly. So the Ford Fiesta, for example, was quite different. I think that actually the Ford Fiesta is one of the ones that is kind of similar. 
now in between Argentina and or it used to be between Argentina and the, and the US. But Chevrolet, no, the Corsa that I had was nothing like I've ever seen in the in this country. So it was kind of it, it, it was black and it kind of looked like a little ball as well. Oh, it's cute. It, it, it was cute. It was really nice. It was one of those things that I, it was my first car. I had a good job, so I, I bought it. My dad came with me to pick it up. I was really excited. I almost crashed into a bus around the corner from the dealership. Standard. Mm-hmm. That is a standard with a new car. I know. So I kind of had to slam the brakes because I, I, I was a little bit nervous. But, yeah, I loved that car. It was my first car. Aww. It was called Bocky. Pocky? Bocky would Bocky. be. And have you named all your cars? Yes. Okay. So I had Bocky... Then was Heraldo, uh, and that was because the car was uh, the color was called Hera Green, so it was Heraldo. Then it was Cuca, and that was a, a Citroen C4, but the one that was kind so it kind of looked like a cockroach. So it was, and cockroach in Spanish is Cucaracha, so it was Cuca. And then I moved to the UK, and in the UK I had a lot because I had company cars, but... Oh, someone's doing well for themselves. Well, yeah, but I think that probably one of the best that I had as company cars was actually Sporty Spice. <laughs> Sporty Spice? Yeah, it was a, a Kia Sportage. Wow. And because it was a Sportage, it had a big ass, and and it was Sportage, so Sporty Spice kind of... Well, Sporty Spice doesn't have a big bum, though, does she? Well, compared to her waist, yeah. Oh, okay. But also, it was called Sportage, so it kind of made yeah. sense. It was yeah. Sporty Spice. It was a bit of artistic life. Yeah, exactly. There. Oh, wow. But you don't like the name that I kind of unofficially have for our current car. Which is? You, you don't like it because I want, uh, my name for it is Donny. Donny? Yeah, because it's orange. So it's named after Donald Trump. Oh, I thought you meant Donny Osmond. No. Um, no, I just think it's a bit obvious. Well, it's orange. It's not a, well. It's obvious, but you didn't get it. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, a little bit of an oxymoron there from me, but no, you never mind. I want to talk a little bit about driving styles, um, and in, and to, before I do that, I'm going to give you some facts because I know you love a fact about oh, a fun fact. So at the end of September 2021, there were 39.2 million licensed vehicles in Great Britain, and 32 million of those were cars what do you think is the most common car in great britain oh but everyone knows this one in the uk what it is the fiesta it's like but it has been for years hasn't it i thought you didn't wasn't gonna know that yeah but um, i I don't know why it's a fact that everyone knows isn't it 1.5 million ford fiestas in the uk yeah see in argentina the chevrolet corsa for the longest time was one of the most common cars because it was like the cheapest car in the market well, it's interesting because the second most popular car in the UK is the Ford Focus, okay. 1.2 million. And the third most popular is the Vauxhall Corsa. Oh, the Vauxhall Corsa. 1 million. See, the Ford Focus is another one that, same name, different car in Argentina. Oh. On the different cars, you have here the Vauxhall Astra. Yeah. We had the Chevrolet Astra, but it was a different car. Oh. Now, we had the Chevrolet Vectra. And the Chevrolet Vectra is the same car as the Vauxhall Astra here in the UK. Oh. It's a minefield. We don't have the names. It's a minefield. T- I'll tell you what. People who love cars are really loving this episode right now. I know. And another fun fact, but with the US, they had to change the name of a, um, of a, like a truck style car. Because in Mexico and the US, it's called Pajero. 
in Argentina, Pajero is a word for wanker. No. So they actually had to change the name when they uh, when they brought it to Argentina. But what does parejo mean in Mexican Spanish? So pajero comes from paja. It's like hey. Like what horses eat. Yeah. Hey, hey. Yeah. So it's hay. So pajero is kind of like like the hay farmer, if you like. That's why the track was oh, called like that in the US. Okay. It makes but sense. In Argentina, it's just a, a, a slang word for wanker. Wow. Wow. That makes my next question sound a bit rubbish. What do you think is the favourite car colour in the UK? The usuals are, what, black, white, grey. Pick one. Black. <coughs> white. <coughs> is it grey? It's grey. Ah, is it silver grey? Like the silver... I don't know, it's just grey. <laughs> um, fun fact, it's the most common uh, colour in Argentina as well. Wow, we've got something in common. Yeah, the reasoning behind it, I don't, I don't know here, in Argentina the reasoning is because it's... It's less dirty. So basically, if you get dirt on the car, it shows less. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. The fastest growing category of vehicle is vans. Okay. And last question for you. What do you think is the average amount of time a car or van is being driven in the UK? So if 100% is the total time that a vehicle exists, Mm -hmm. how much of that 100% do you think is actually being driven? Mm, I don't know. But I would presume that it's a low percentage. What, like 30%? 4%. Yeah. And that hasn't changed very much in the last 25 years. Well, to be fair, let's be honest. You're probably most of the time stuck in traffic here in the UK. (laughs) Well, that's a good point, actually. What what do you think the British way of driving... if, If somebody said to you, how do the British drive, what would you say? I would say that everywhere that I've driven in in the world drives like shit. It's just different types of shit. So, in the UK, my pet peeves, the things that I do not like about driving in the UK, is people have no notion of high and low beams. (laughs) So they're always like blinding you because they have high beams all the time and it's really annoying. (laughs) And then... To be honest, you know that what I always say is this, uh, the UK's best kept secret is the left lane in the motorways. Mm. The slow lane in the motorways. Like, for whatever reason, when traffic starts building up a little bit, everyone goes to the, f- to the fast lanes. Everyone goes, particularly in the four-lane motorways, like the M1 and so on, everyone goes there. And then you have these the two lanes, the far lanes that are meant to be the two fast lanes, they all stand still, and then there I go, in the left lane, no one around me, just going there, easy, just going, <laughs> no one in front of me, no one in the lane uh, beside me on the second lane, is, is, is this country's best kept secret. <laughs> well, not anymore, because you've let the cat out of the bag. It's like a secret motorway, it's like everyone's driving there, and everyone's standing still, and then you're just going, it's like a secret motorway, <laughs> in plain sight. <laughs> It's not really that secret, is it? No, yeah, no. Now, what about you? So what's the the, the the things that you dislike about driving in this country? Um, I think there are just so many cars on the roads now, and particularly during the last couple of years when we were almost discouraged from using public transport, I think the roads have actually got busier. Mm. Wherever you drive in the country, you think, oh, it's going to take me 15, 20 minutes to get there. And it's always pretty much double that because there's an accident on the road. And, you know, I don't get angry when stuff like that happens because, you know, it's an accident. It's no one's fault. Yeah. But it just feels like there's so much traffic on the roads right now. 
that, you know, I remember years ago when we were growing up and you'd watch these films and you'd see, you know, in America and you'd see people like stuck in traffic mm-hmm. jams for hours on end and you'd be like, oh, well, we don't have that here. And and, and it's just getting like that. It's yeah. just getting like that. And it, it's it's fascinating because I've seen videos of when the, the first motorways were built in this country, you know, in the, you know, after the Second World War. And you've got these three-lane motorways and there's like two or three cars like pooling yeah. up and down them. And now it's kind of like they're just at capacity. And for me, that is that that is okay. it takes the it takes the fun out of driving because you're constantly thinking, am I going to be able to get where I want to get to on time? So let's put a little bit of context here for the international listeners, particularly the Argentinian listeners. So 300 kilometers. That's more or less the distance between uh, Rosario, best city in the world, and Buenos Aires. Okay. Motorway between those cities. Rosario to Buenos Aires, 300 kilometers. Probably going to take you a little bit less than three hours. So two hours 45. So you're traveling at about 100 kilometers an hour. Yeah, so the max speed in, in that motorway, depending on the section, is either 130 kilometers an hour or 120 kilometers an hour. And what's 130 kilometers an hour? Uh, so 70 miles an hour is 112, I think. Okay. So it's going to take you about 2 hours 45, 3 hours. Again, a little bit more, a little bit less in traffic. Now, that is more or less the same distance between Birmingham and Edinburgh. No way. Now, Birmingham to Edinburgh is going to take, what, five and a half, oh. six hours? I remember the last time I did it, and I was like, I am never doing this It's again. about six hours, isn't it? It's so stressful. It's, it's about... stop, start, stop, start. You know, even just getting out of Birmingham. And mm-hmm. they even built a bypass motorway, and it still hasn't solved the problem. Yes. Like, it is stressful. So it's probably double the time to do the same distance. So for an international listener, that's a little bit of a of a reference point, if you like. Now, the other question that I have for you, because you've driven here for longer, is there regional driving styles in the UK? Um, I wouldn't say there was regional driving styles. I mean, I think when you get further north just because of the discrepancies in availability of public transport, car is much more king. Like, people rely on their car much more, like, for commuting and things like that. I think the hazards chain, I think that's the big difference. So driving around UK cities is one thing, but then when you're out in the countryside, you're thinking, am I going to, you know, get behind a tractor? (laughs) Is some farmyard animal going to, like, come across me? And I think that's the difference that I notice, is that you almost have to be equipped to drive in different conditions. And I don't mean that in the kind of a weather sense, although that is true as well. But it's almost like you've got a motorway brain where mm-hmm. you're like, right, and and that's quite mathematical because you're moving between lanes and, and, and that kind of thing. And then when you're kind of on the, on the more rural roads, and you've seen it. I mean, when we get into the countryside, I don't know if it's the sat-nov or whatever, but it sends us up some really crazy roads, doesn't it? Oh, God. It's, uh, driving in this country is a minefield. Sometimes you're going in these, uh, on these roads that it's literally as wide as one car. Yeah. And it's a two-way road. Yeah. So, literally, if you come across another car... And it's car, not just that it's a two-way road. It's national speed limits. So oh, yeah, you can yeah. technically go down that road at 60 miles an hour. Yeah, no, which is about 95 kilometres an hour. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, that's just... There's differences in the rules... And again, it's like in Argentina, if it's a driving lane, 
you are forbidden to park there. Mm. Whereas here, you kind of can park, and people have to like you know get mm-hmm. on the uh, on the opposite lane uh, on oh, the oncoming this. traffic to try to overpass a parked car. In Argentina, that doesn't exist. But you always have to keep at least one lane of flowing traffic. You mm. cannot block that, mm. and and things like that. But the reason I was asking about regional is because, as I say, people drive like shit everywhere in the world. It's just <laughs> different. In Argentina, is people drive like shit, but it's different depending on where you are in the country. So, for example, Rosario, and again, kind of winds me up, in Rosario, you will not see people using signals for the life of them. Like, turning signals, it's like, nothing. It's like, they don't exist. It's like, cars are not equipped with, uh, with them. It, it's, it's, it's terrible. Also, if you're crossing, if you're crossing, for example, in Rosario, it's kind of crossing the road at your own risk if you're if, if you're driving because the car that's turning is not going to stop for you. Wow. You you're on your crossing, you're crossing through the right through the right place. The street light has green to go for the car and green for you pedestrian to cross on the sidecar. And if the car's turning, at your own risk. But then, for example, if you go to if you go to Buenos Aires. They're complete opposite with the signal. So they use signal for everything. If they change lane, they use signal. But apparently the signal is this magical thing that allows them to ignore the laws of physics. So in Buenos Aires, they will put the signal and just drive the car. It doesn't matter if your car is already there. You better brake or he'll rev- or the other car will ram into you because wow. they, they'll put the signal and go I mean, I without have, looking. I have to say, I would not want to drive in Buenos Aires. They have the widest road in the world there. What's it called? Uh, La Nueva de Julio. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. How many lanes is it? Uh, it's about nine each side, is it? Yeah. And there's a sort of a park in the middle, isn't there? Yeah. And it's just, to look at it, it's on one hand fascinating to see all this traffic kind of moving through the centre of the largest city in Argentina, but also it's terrifying. And it, I almost think of it as akin to driving down the Champs-Élysées and around the Arc de Triomphe, mm-hmm. because people say that is yeah. also... Yeah, like the most stressful roundabout in the world or something oh, I like think that. Th- although I think they're, um, they're going to pedestrianise all that, I think. Well, I think there were plans. So yeah, absolutely terrifying. But the thing is, is what you get used is what you're used to, and that's and that's kind of my my point is you get used to it to the driving style. The difference is that in Argentina, you you go to a different city and it's a different style. And I wondered whether here in the UK, because I haven't noticed different styles, but maybe they were. Well, it's quite interesting because I did a little bit of research on a website called Anglo Info, and it's a website which gives lots of information for expats, English people who have yeah. moving abroad or have moved abroad. And in the Argentina page, it says this about driving in Argentina, which I thought was quite funny. And it says, Traffic regulations in Argentina are generally the same as in Europe, but are not respected in the same way by all. The driving style in Argentina has been improving steadily over the years, but drivers should be alert to what other drivers may do, which is often unexpected. (laughs) Okay, so I have a couple of comments about what you just read. So, first of all, the first bit where it says that the rules are generally the same but are not respected in the same way by all. So, basically, that's a polite way of saying what I've said. Everyone drives like shit, it's just different the rules that you break. (laughs) But also, it sounds very condescending. It's like, oh, the driving style in Argentina has been improving steadily. Improving compared to what? You drive like shit here. (laughs) 
I'm not taking me to the last point. We can, um, be alert of what other drivers may do, which is often unexpected. Yes, it's unexpected to you, <laughs> not to Argentinians driving there. And also, and, what is this that's unexpected? Like, somebody suddenly stops in the middle of the road and, like... But has a thing. party or so. I don't know. Like, what is the unexpected thing? But that's the thing. It's about driving styles. And, and uh, if you're in Buenos Aires, the unexpected thing is that someone will um, put the turn signal to change lanes and they will automatically just start changing lane, whether you acknowledge them or not. But again, when you drive in Buenos Aires, you know that that's the case. You're used to it. So it's not unexpected to you. You know that you know it's coming. And that's what I mean. If you're crossing the road in Rosario, you know that the guy from the car is probably not going to stop for you. So you know it's coming. It's not unexpected. Mm. And the same, um, uh, the same here. When you come, when you come here to the UK, it's like someone doing a three-point turn. Mm-hmm. Fucking hell! In Argentina, that's so so forbidden. You do not. You cannot. It's against the law mm. to do a three a, a three-point turn. But again, given our roads are um, a little bit wider, our roads are also more squared. So in Rosario, if you miss your turn, well, you just go 200 meters and take the next one. Mm. And that's it. So uh, stopping and then reversing on the traffic lane, especially reversing on a bend, hell no. If you're on foreign driving in the UK, that is, again, people can do that, but it's completely unexpected. Because it's something that is very mm. British, I suppose. It's the nature of the roads here, isn't it? If you miss your turn, you might have to make like a 10 kilometer detour. Well, I'll tell you what is unexpected. What is? You're driving fine. Well, yeah, it is unexpected. I'm good at driving. And I'll tell you what, it's not fine. So, what's your impression of me driving? Because we've had this conversation about what I think about you driving. We've had this conversation before. I think you're a very good driver, but I think the thing about you is that you are the ultimate backseat driver. (laughs) Okay. Like, when I'm driving, you are driving too. It's like, you might as well just drive the whole time. Even when you're on the phone, like, if I change lane, you're, like, looking, you're checking which lane that I'm changing to. If I speed up, you're checking what speed I'm going at. It's like, literally, I can't do anything in the car without you having this kind of, like, bird's eye view of what what I'm doing. Yeah, but there's two reasons for that. The first one, as you said it at the beginning of of this episode, you are a little bit more aloof with the rules, aren't you? Mm. So you are likely to be circumventing the rules. But also... It's not, and, and again, we've had this conversation before, this is not going to be n- news to you, but you are a very good driver. Thank you. But you are the driver that everyone hates. We, don't, we can just stop there, just say you are a very good driver, and then we'll go to the, the outro. It's fine. Let's put it to the public. Oh, Let's see what they think. Ben is the driver that, again, very... In the UK, he's going to be driving on the fast lane, although the other three lanes are going to be completely clear. He's the one that is not going to let anyone overpass him. Mm-hmm. And when someone gets tired of Ben not moving from the fast lane and starts underpassing, he will speed up and match their speed until they found sort of a block. Mm-hmm. So basically, the other car cannot underpass him. And then the moment that he does that, he slows down again. Well, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I've earned that place on the road. And I don't want... I just... I don't like people being in front of me. 
I know, but you have three lanes where there's also no one in front of you. So mm. why do you have to go on the fast lane? You you are the driver that everyone hates. Everyone looks at and saying, this asshole that doesn't move. Well, all I've got to say to you is, I'm not the one with the fine. Yeah, you're the one with the multiple fines. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Love you. Ooh, that was cathartic, wasn't it? I mean, you, you know, you are a very good driver. I have to say, you are a very good driver. I feel very safe when I'm in the car with you. But it's just when I'm driving, I feel like I'm literally having an instructor sat next to me. But who doesn't actually give any advice. He's just kind of like quietly judging me. Judging you. <laughs> <laughs> and even when you're like on your phone, like scrolling through Instagram and stuff, you're like, you like pop your head up and you're like, mm, what's he doing? What's he doing? Mm, is this to my standard? Well... You're kind of stuck with me. I know. I'm an ass. <laughs> but uh, you're stuck with me, so... You're my ass, though, so that's the main thing. That is true. So, you guys listening out there, wherever you're from in the world, is there any particular driving styles where you're from that we should know about, uh, particularly if we want to take a trip to where you're from? Any crazy rules, like a 3.10? <laughs> I, do you know what? I don't have an issue with a 3.10. I think it's fine. Or parallel parking as a, as a test... I am quite failing. Pa- I am quite good at parallel parking. Okay. I am pretty good. Yeah, you are good at yeah. parallel parking. I don't need no sensors. I can do it. I'm worse at parking on a bay. I always leave the car tilted one side or the other. Well, I just think that cars are getting bigger and bays are not getting any bigger with them. It's like a garage. I mean, the whole point of having a garage now is just, it's just not worth it. I just, I just can't put it in straight. <laughs> Did you see that I was building to that comment? <laughs> Well, I was, you know, trying to be quite practical and talking yeah. about garage sizes and stuff. But, but it is true. Sexual innuendo. Yeah, but it is true. I always leave the car tilted. I can't get it straight. It's uh, it's one of my of the things that I just cannot do, and I don't know why. Well, you know, you are a homosexual. I am a homosexual. So you can't do very many things on the straight, and clearly not on the straight and narrow either, because you've got a fine and you've got to go on your course. Okay. Anyway, like we were like we were saying, any um, quirky traffic rule in your home country, in your hometown, any driving styles, any pet peeves, things that annoy you about other people on the road driving. Let us know. We are at Bareback Podcast on the Instagram. We're on Twitter at Bareback Pod. Or you can find us on the Facebook. Do you remember what it used to be called? The Facebook. Was it their Facebook? Yeah. Was it ever their Facebook? When it first started. Oh, sounds awful. Just search for us in the Facebook search bar, Bareback, and you'll find us. Or send us an email at barebackpodcast at gmail.com. Lovely stuff, right? Are you going to go and revise for your, uh, your uh, speed awareness course? No, that's what the course is for. Yeah, but you knowing you, you want to get ahead of the curve, and you wanna you wanna have all the answers. So when you're in the session and they ask you the questions, you'll be putting your hand up virtually on Teams and saying, "Yeah, I know the answer. I know the answer. <laughs> I'm so good. I don't know why I'm here. Oh, this is like I think there's a mistake. I think, Mister Facilitator Man, I think there's a mistake. I don't think I should be here. Like I'm a great driver. <laughs> why do I have a really high pitched voice in because that you're scenario? So pure, and you're so you love following the rules, and you've got a fine, and it's the best <laughs> thing ever to happen. And I'm just gonna keep on going on about this ever. I'm going to keep on going on about this all the time. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) you do you, bub. I will do me. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.